such an amazing song and it fits so well with what we're looking at. And in Hebrews 6.15, and you can turn with me to Romans chapter 8 if you'd like, but in Hebrews 6.15 it says, And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. And we don't always know what God is doing. We don't always know what he's up to. But what he's called us to do is to wait. And then, you know, the writer of Hebrew has to say that we have to wait patiently. You know, waiting is bad enough, but having to do it patiently, you know. And as we're going through this, it, it, I don't know if you figured this out, but, I'm, you know, I might not be the brightest bulb, but at least I glow a little bit. And I found out that, you know, God doesn't mind us waiting. He has no problem with us waiting. He's okay with it. And we have to learn to be okay with it too. And, and as we're waiting, then here's what we're doing. We're learning more about who God is. We're learning more about Him and His love and His faithfulness to us. But then we also learn about us. We learn about our weaknesses. We learn about how impatient we are. We learn about how um, selfish and self-centered we are. We learn that during the waiting time. We learn that during that waiting time that God doesn't need our help, but yet we always want to help Him. We want to help Him get things right, right away, and it doesn't happen like that. But if we'll stick through the process, then we find out that in the waiting, after we've gone through it, one of the things we learn is, is that God is so much smarter than we are. He's so much wiser than we are. And then most of the time after we've gone through it, that's when we sit down and we say, oh, thank you, God, for not answering my prayers the way I wanted you to answer them. You see, it's in that waiting time that we find out how awesome he is, how much smarter he is, and how we have to give ourselves to that. We learn during that time, if we'll go through the process, that he indeed will strengthen us. You know, the... One of the works of the Holy Spirit is to be our helper, to be our strengthener. And we find out that's exactly what the Holy Spirit does while we wait. And if we wouldn't have waited, we would have never found out how strong God is and how weak we are. Whew. We're off to a good start this morning. God is always at work even when we don't see it and we don't understand it. I mentioned last week, and it's worth repeating, the presence of silence never equals the absence of God. The presence of silence never equals the absence of God. You know, in our mind, we always have to be busy. We always have to be doing something. And we think that as long as we're doing that, then everything is well. But we come to God, and he's like, would you just chill? I got this. And we have a hard time chilling. God is always at work on our behalf, and we need to learn to rest in His wisdom while we wait. I'm convinced that in our waiting, when God is silent and we learn through that to trust Him, then we learn how amazing and how much greater and higher are His thoughts and His ways. You know, Isaiah says that. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. 
but we don't learn that except through the waiting, patiently process. We learned last week that God tested Abraham twice. The first test was for him and Sarah to conceive their own child, the child of promise. And just to remind you, it took 25 years for that promise to come to pass. They tried to help God and they missed it. But then they finally came to the place in the waiting while they were patiently waiting, because that's Hebrews 6.15, right? And Abraham, or thus Abraham, after patiently waiting, obtained the promise. So during that time, he, he waited. And it's amazing to me that God waited until they certainly couldn't have a child on their own. And if they were going to have a child, it was going to be a miracle. And so that was a test that God had for them or for both of them, but for Abraham in particular. But then, we read last week where God asked for Abraham to offer Isaac up as a sacrifice. And yet, it's strange because it's, he's the promised child. And we went through this, so if you didn't hear last week, I encourage you to do that. He's the promised child. He's the miracle child. And now God says, I want him. Wow. And... Abraham saying, he's the heir. He's the one that you said was going to be my heir. Perhaps when God is silent with us, it's because he's testing our faith as well. And so if that's what's going on in your life, I, I want you to hear this good news. You can pass the test. We can pass the test. And we pass the test by remembering. When we find ourselves waiting and God is silent, then we need to remember. We need to remember His Word. And we need to remember the promises found in His Word. And at the very least, we need to remember our salvation experience. We need to remember... How God has called us out of the world, out of the darkness, out of sin, out of bondage. He's called us out of that and into himself, into a new kingdom, into a new life. We have to remember that. When he is silent, when we are waiting, we need to remember that. We need to remember his faithfulness to us. And as I mentioned last week, bring out that blessing box and begin to reread what God has done in your life. So that you can encourage yourself. You know, one of Diana's favorite scriptures is when it talks about David and how David encouraged himself. How did he do it? He remembered. He remembered who God was. In Romans chapter 8. I almost hesitate to do this, but we have to do it. Romans eight twenty eight. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. You see, this is a scripture we need to have so that when God is silent, when we are waiting patiently, and we don't understand why there's a delay, why God isn't doing what we want him to do. We have to understand 
that we know, first of all, now think about it. If we really knew this, how hard would it be to wait? If we really believe that this scripture is true, why do we struggle with waiting so much? Instead, what do we usually do? We get mad at God for delaying everything and, and making a mess of everything. And he's not really the one who made the mess, is he? No, we usually are. But it's amazing to me that, you know, we read this and it's fine as long as we're not going through a struggle, as long as God is doing everything we want him to do. But when he stops and we have to wait or when he's silent, I mean, how many conversations did Abraham and, and God have before Isaac was born? You know? Philippians chapter 1. I hate to do this to you, but this is one we need to look at too. Philippians 1 verse 6 says, And I am sure of this. Everybody say, I am sure of this. Are you sure? That's what it says. But are we sure? Do we know? And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Are we sure of this? Because if we're sure of this, then why do we bellyache so much? Why do we lose hope? Why do we lose faith so much? When we find ourselves in the place where we don't know how God is going to work things out, all we can think about is, God, we need a miracle. And we don't know how it's going to happen. Our minds can't grasp how it's going to happen. That's the time when we need to continue to trust Him and remember while we patiently wait. Turn with me to Mark chapter 4, please. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Starting in verse 26. And this is Jesus, and it says, Mark 4, 26, And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. And the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? He knows not how. Verse 28, the earth produces by itself. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. You know, and I can relate to this scripture when we talk about the soybean and the corn that's all around this church. And, you know, how crazy would we think if the farmer planted seed and then came out the next day and was mad because he didn't see it, the corn, or he didn't see the soybean. We would think, what's wrong with you? You've lost your mind. And yet, that's how we treat God. We pray for something, we ask for something, and when it doesn't happen immediately, 
We get all bent out of shape. We want to know, God, I thought you loved me. Where are you? And he sleeps and rises night and day. I've shared this before. I typically do not lose sleep. Every once in a while, I may. But typically, I don't lose sleep. And my mind is, when I'm going to sleep, the world is God's. And I'm out of his way for at least eight hours. And he can fix things. And I enjoy my sleep. We have to know these things. We have to be willing to walk in them. And I love when he puts in there, he knows not how, because I'll be honest, I don't know how God does what he does. I don't know how he puts up with us to begin with. But then I don't even know how he does what he does. And it's not just for me or just for you. It's for everybody. He is attentive to everybody. He's working all things out for for good for those who love him. And that's hard to him. I don't know how he does it. But you know what? I'm just glad that he does. And, and I don't even have to figure it out. I'll just trust him. Abraham and Sarah waited 25 years for Isaac. Jacob, his grandson, had to wait 20 years serving Laban. 20 years. Joseph. Joseph spent 17 years going down ever since God gave him the dream. 17 years of hard stuff, hard living. And it wasn't because he was evil, it was because he trusted God. And we don't hear of him complaining. i got to meet this guy when I get to heaven. How did he do it? And yet he stuck to the promise of God. He had to remember God. And at the end to be able to say, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. How did he learn that in the waiting time? And it doesn't say that he patiently waited, but he had to have. And I encourage you to read his story. And God was preparing him because he was preparing for a famine that was going to take place. There was going to be major uh, crop produce for seven years, and then there was going to be a major famine for seven years. And so God did all of this because God knew that the Israelites were going to go down to Egypt and they were going to find their salvation down there through Joseph. And yet God works in Joseph's life totally. I can't imagine how he did it, not even understanding all that God was going to do. But somewhere down the line, he had to figure it out and he trusted God. And so you have a nation that has gone down there and and they're so small that nobody even really notices that they're coming. 
And then they live there. And, and as they're living there, as they're patiently waiting, now the whole nation of Israel, what are they doing? They're growing and growing and growing. And they're getting larger and larger. And then the, and, and years have gone by. 430 years, as a matter of fact. 430 years in Egypt they were. They go down there and there's a handful of them. I, I think the last time we looked at this, I think there were 75 of them, 75 to 80 of them when they went down there. There's over a million of them when they come out. Because a Pharaoh forgot about Joseph and his God. And so they ended up going. But it was time for them to go anyways because 430 years was up. Now it was time for God to bring them out. I say that because we have to understand God has a plan. And he's working his plan. And the best thing that we can do is don't get your feathers all ruffled. Do you know that God works his plan exactly according to how he's planned it? Oh my. And if he did it for them... Do you believe that he'll do it for us too? He will. When things look like they're not going well for you, when it looks like you're not going to make it, I just want to encourage you to hang in there, stir up the faith that is within you, and begin to stir it up by remembering God, remembering his love, remembering his faithfulness, Remembering his goodness and his kindness towards us. You know, to remember takes effort. You have to do something. Do you know what you have to do to forget? Nothing. You will just forget if you do nothing. Remembering requires effort on our part. Moses, Lord bless Moses. My sister wants, my older sister wants to meet him when she gets there. She's like, he got a raw deal. Can you imagine Moses? 40 years he has to spend in the wilderness all alone with those animals, those sheep. 40 years. He waited. We look at it and we think, man, that's a long time. It is a long time. But what was God doing? God was preparing Moses. He was preparing his heart because he was the deliverer of them coming out of Egypt. And God had to have him, his heart prepared because at the age of 40, it wasn't prepared quite yet. He tried to help God and that's what sent him out into the wilderness. And so now God is working on his heart. God is teaching him his ways. For 40 years, he gets to get taught that all by himself, just him and God. And then he brings them out of Egypt, and then he gets stuck with them for another 40 years. Now he's not alone anymore. I, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, when you think about it, he, he it, probably after month six, he's probably thinking, God, I remember this wilderness. I remember the times that we had together, just me and you. Can we go back to that? Can you do something with these people? 
But he never said that. And it's amazing to me. It, it is to me. I don't know if it's amazing to you, but the 40 years that he spent by himself, he did it in the same place that he spent 40 years with the people of Israel, with the nation of Israel. So not only was God preparing him, but himself, but he was preparing him to know the lay of the land and, and how things could be to be able to support that many people. Isn't that incredible? Who would have thought that God sent him out there and then he was going to worship God there with all of God's people? And, and we wondered, God, what are you doing? He's working his plan. He's working his plan. And I don't want you to think that I've arrived either. You know, I, I don't have this down. I just get to learn it myself and then share it with you. And then walk in it more. David. Think about David. And he was 17 when he was anointed king in private by Samuel. A nobody. Samuel comes to his dad's house and says, hey, there's a king in here. I've got to find him and anoint him. And so all of his sons come, and, except for David. And none of them are the ones that Samuel is supposed to anoint. And Samuel looks at Jesse and says, you got any more sons? Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, I got another one. But he's out tending sheep. I mean, like, talk about a complex that this kid had. Goes and gets him, anoints him, because God says, and you can find this in 1 Samuel, I think it's chapter 16. God, God, as soon as he walks in, God tells Samuel, he's the one. Anoint him. And this is the crazy thing. He's anointed king by Samuel the prophet. And you know what he's doing the next day? He's going back tending sheep. And he's doing that. But it's there that he learned to care for what God cares for. For everybody else, they were a bunch of sheep. But for David, they were gods. And he protected them. Took care of the lions and the bears. And those are plural. He learned how to fight. He learned how to watch. Anybody want to take a guess at how long it was from the time that David was anointed king to the time that he became king? <laughs> 35 years. 35 years. And even when Saul died... David didn't just assume that he was king. He asked the Lord. And the Lord said, yeah, now's your time. What a heart. And David wasn't even perfect. If you'll turn with me to Romans chapter 4, please. I, I don't know if you figured this out yet or not, but God seems to be okay with us waiting. Maybe that's a characteristic that he has that he wants us to have. 
we need to get to that place too where we're okay with waiting. Usually when we're struggling in the waiting is because it's always about us and we're consumed about us and we're concerned about us. The emphasis is on us. And I think it's through the waiting that God wants to begin to get the emphasis off us and onto him first and then onto others that he's loved, that he's made in his likeness and image. And I'm grateful that God does do things for us, but he does them for us so that we can do things for others. Remember, he told Abraham, he said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. And this was the reason so that you can be a blessing to others. And that's what God wants to do in our lives, but he's got to get our hearts right. And I think it's through the silence, through the waiting, through the not, un- uh, excuse me, the not understanding that we begin to learn all of these things. We, we begin to learn it's, it's not about us. It's about him. Even the gospel is not about us. It's not just for us. Even though it's for us, but it's for others as well. This is true of Abraham's life and all those who follow God walk after him it's true of the life of Jesus as well if we do not grow in our faith then the gospel is only about us and our going to heaven and how miserable we are until we get there in Romans chapter 4 Starting in verse 16, and, and I have read this scripture, I can't tell you how many times. This, is, this whole, chapter 4 is one of my favorites, but as I'm going through this, I started to realize something here, and, and let's just start reading it. Romans four sixteen. That is why it depends on faith. In order that the promise may rest on grace, and be guaranteed to all his offspring. And he's speaking of Abraham right now. Not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of, who is the father of us all. Verse 17, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed. And the next two statements are the statements that I love. And it says, and this, remember, this is talking about Abraham. Verse 17 again. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. And let me read just a little, well, we'll just stop there for a moment. Okay, when did Abraham figure this out? When did Abraham figure out who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist? He learned this in the waiting time. 
He learned this while he was patiently waiting. He didn't understand it at the time, but he grew in his faith, and we'll see that in just a second. But it was in that quiet time, in that waiting time, that he figured this out, that God, God is able to do this. God gives life to the dead. How did he know that? Because his and Sarah's body was dead. They were dead. And calls into existence that the things that do not exist. And I always like to put on there, yet. In their inability to conceive, a miracle takes place. How did he learn it? By waiting. By patiently waiting. Verse 18 says, In hope, he believed against hope. Just pause there for a moment. How did he learn that? He waited. He waited. It took time. In hope, what was his hope? God promised him a son that him and Sarah were going to have. In hope, he believed against hope. What was his against hope? They were too old. They were way past their time of childbirth. And he ignored that, and he, in hope, he trusted God. When did he learn this? He learned it while he was waiting. What happens when we have to wait? We're learning something new about God. We're learning something amazing about Him. How awesome He is. How faithful He is. How much He loves us. How much wiser He is than, than we are. How, and, and we're thankful for it. We come out thankful that his, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. Let's continue. Verse 18 still. In hope, He believed against hope that He should become the Father of many nations as He had been told. He was remembering during that time that it didn't look like they were going to be able to have a son. He remembered. He remembered the promise of God. So shall your offspring be. Verse 19. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which it was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. He gives life to the dead. In hope, he believed against hope. Verse 20, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith and he gave glory to God. Fully convinced. Everybody say fully convinced. When did he learn that? He learned it in the waiting. He learned it when God was silent. Fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised Whew. and then Paul says this in verse 23 but the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone but for us also it will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our 
justification. It's amazing to me how God works. I'm so grateful that He does. Jesus, our Savior, came because of Abraham's faith through his believing God and obeying him. And then you can turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we'll get ready to receive communion in just a second. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. From now on. <laughs> From now on. If you go back and read what he's saying, you'll understand the from now on because there was some time involved in it. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of recon reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled for God or to God. Verse 21, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Isn't that amazing how God works? They just thought he was an ordinary man. But from now on, since we know what God was doing, since we know what he did from now on, this is how we view things. We don't view people, we don't view circumstances, we don't view events just from a natural, worldly, sinful point of view. We don't have to live constricted and confined to what we see just in the natural. We can rise above that, we can live above that through faith. And to know that for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. What a great exchange. And this all happened because Abraham was willing to trust God. Willing to wait patiently. And so that through Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. <laughs> you know the enemy hates that. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Just a few pages over. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Verse 9. For you know that, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty, so that you by his poverty might become rich. God has a plan. God has a plan for each and every one of our lives. Our responsibility is to come into agreement with that plan. To trust him when it doesn't make sense, when we don't understand, when we can't figure out what he's doing, when we question why are you doing this and why aren't you doing that. 
we have to come to a place where we can trust him. And turn with me to Galatians chapter 3. I want to just remind you that we have the fall that took place. Adam was a representative for us. The Bible speaks of him being the first Adam. Jesus is the, is the last Adam. Okay, both representative. Sin and death came through Adam, through the fall of Adam. But life and resurrection come through Jesus Christ. But it all happened through Abraham. Through Abraham being willing to step out. It's through Christ and his redemptive work that the corruption and the distortion from God's original intent for our lives can be restored. And we can live an incredible life because of the work of the Holy Spirit in us as well. Through Christ, we who were far off have been brought near and we have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Not of our own work, but through Christ. This Christ, not only do we have salvation, but we have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit for us to believe and for all who do believe. And, and this is so amazing to me. In Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, it says this, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. And here it is, verse 14. What does it say? Thank you. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham. Okay, here's, here's the blessing of Abraham. This is what God wanted to do through Abraham. So that the blessing of Abraham, so it's in Christ, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Isn't that amazing? So when God called Abraham out, guess what? You were on his mind. We were on his mind. When God asked him to leave his family, leave his land, go to a new land that he would show him that he didn't know where he was going, it was because God had this in mind. Not only our salvation, but the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you, it took some time took some time from the fall to the calling out of Abraham to Abraham getting the promised son through Jesus coming. I want to remind you about this. When God called Abraham, God promised him at least four things. Okay? If he would step out and obey. God promised that he would make him into a great nation. Done. God promised that he would bless Abraham personally. Done. God promised that he would make Abraham's name great so that he would be a blessing. Done. In Abraham's obedience, God would bless all the families of the earth. Done in Christ Jesus. Through Abraham's obedience, we get to share in the blessing of Christ, the blessing of the Holy Spirit. 
and the blessing of living a life of faith in Christ Jesus. And this is all true if we will continue to remember. Remember the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of Jesus, the God of you. Remember. Remember. If we believe that God has called each and every one of us, then we have to believe that he will work in and for us, even when we don't understand, just like he did for Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David, anybody else that you can think of in the scripture. Hold on, do not lose faith or lose sight of the promises of God for your life. Stay the course by remembering. Even when things do not look good around us. What an incredible God. I shared last week that there's different feasts and celebrations that they had throughout the year. And they did it really as a remembrance of God. And then through the Passover now, it's communion for us. And we do it in remembrance of Jesus. And so we're going to receive communion this morning.